Before we start this podcast, I wanted to share a bizarre story with everybody. I don't know if it's funny, um, but it is a little frightening and sad. Um, Last night, as I came home from a late night recording session, I noticed that there was a ladder outside of my neighbor's window. Now, I live in an apartment complex, and there's six units, three on top, three on the bottom. And this was uh, the third unit in the back, closest to our little private parking area. And there's a ladder there up against the window. And on the ladder is a man. And this is midnight. The man is peering into my neighbor's window. I immediately recognized the man as being the man from Unit 2. He has a family of about five people inside his unit. And I know that the people in Unit 3, just a young couple, and he was peering straight into their bedroom, looking in through their window. They had shutters, but they weren't closed, so you could see in there if you had a ladder. And uh, so I parked my car and immediately thought, what the hell? What's this guy doing? So I planned to just, you know, turn off my car and confront him and say, hey, what are you doing, buddy? And uh, as I did, he he disappeared within a matter of seconds of me pulling in. So obviously he knew what he was doing was wrong. But this neighbor, this middle-aged man, he's about 50 years old, he's had some trouble in the past where he's had bouts with alcohol. He hides beer cans in his garden, literally, and he goes, grabs them, drinks them periodically throughout the day or night. And he had some incidents in the past where he actually would black out and there was a fire truck that came and whisked him away to the hospital. But um, this was by far the oddest occurrence and definitely crossing the line because, you know, it's not my business to go into somebody's personal life and say, what are you doing with that alcohol? But this was crossing the line and this was, uh, I believe, criminal behavior. So I immediately went to my neighbor's front door to alert her because I didn't know if she was aware that there was a man peering into her window. So I bang on the door. She had all her lights on. It was 10 past midnight. So she was definitely awake and in there, but there was no response. So I went back into my unit, immediately uh, called my landlord, and he gave me uh, her phone number. So I texted her, and she immediately called me back and said, I don't know what's going on. This guy's been staring through my window. So uh, I said, well, anything you need, you can come on over if you're frightened or whatever. And uh, she said she hasn't been able to leave her house because she she's too freaked out. She doesn't know if there's another guy out there or what's going on. She doesn't even know that it's the second unit neighbor. 
She needs to leave the house to pick up her boyfriend from work, so I I go and I escort her to her car, and she's shaking and frightened, and she tried to get a hold of the police, but for some reason there was a busy signal. So she left, and I called the cops. And within about 15 minutes, the police arrive. And immediately when they arrive, I notice a total shift in tone. Because at first I was, you know, I'm concerned, I'm a little frightened and weirded out. Why is this man peering into the window? I know he's probably drunk, but he could break a window. He could uh, he could maybe confuse that home for his, and maybe he's just so blindly drunk that he's he may fall into a rage and, uh, you know, hurt himself or someone else. And so I... I that was call for concern, obviously, called the police. So the police arrive, two uh, younger officers, maybe in their mid-30s, and uh, they're both very doughy. They look very doughy and soft. And I immediately had a different uh, sense of tone. I was like, okay, they obviously don't give a shit about this. It's a peeping Tom. So I, so I talked to the police officer. I said, well, you know, there's a guy. We know who it is. It's the neighbor right next to me. He's peering into our neighbor, our other neighbor over there. And, um, you know, I don't know what you want to do about this. And they said, well, technically it's not a crime. Technically it's not a crime? Nope. It's no crime to uh, just peering through the window. Peering through the window. So that's no crime to check out somebody potentially dressing uh, naked, uh, performing some private behavior. What? Nope, nope, no, it's not a crime. And uh, since you weren't involved in the the peeping or the uh, receiving of the peeping, then uh, there's nothing we can do. I mean, like, look around, go check knock on the second unit's door. The guy is the guy. I know who he is. Uh, I mean, stuff like this happens all the time. Like, well, the guy's drunk. He's totally inebriated. And he's causing, you know, distress. And he's publicly, you know, isn't that... That's got to be a law. There's got to be a law for something. Public drunkenness. And he's going over there. He's like, nope, no law. I'm like, well, he's banging on their windows and doors. He's frightening her. Yeah, man, not not much we can do. Just, um, you know, people around here drunk all the time. And I, the energy I got off from these police officers, who were very nice, they were very nice. They were concerned, of course, but they sent these guys who obviously weren't the, you know, the uh, the weathered police officers who've dealt with midnight occurrences in Los Angeles. These were guys who were sitting at their desk bored out of their minds, probably responding to uh, non-emergency phone calls and giving people advice and just showing up. And then I thought, like, maybe they send these cute little police officers because they look they look nice and, and they, they add comfort. I don't know what the psychology is behind it. Or maybe there's none at all. Maybe I'm overthinking it. But it was really bizarre and weird and hard for me to fall asleep last night because trying to figure out why my neighbor 
is peering through a window. Well, I don't know. Just a weird, bizarre story that I wanted to share. And to remind you all that peeping is not necessarily illegal. So enjoy it. I'm going to be peeping tonight if anybody wants to join me. Um, there's some great windows. Uh, my neighbor's already freaked out. And um, so it doesn't matter because her cries for help won't do anything as I peer in and watch her take a shower. Anybody want to want to peep with me? I know my, my second unit neighbor, he'll, he'll be excited for that. Ah, I just took a shot of scotch right there. So I'm loaded up. I'm ready to go. If you haven't already subscribed, be sure to head over to themixednut.com, T-H-E-M-I-X-E-D-N-U-T.com, themixednut.com. Hit the podcast button and you can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes. Or if you uh, prefer SoundCloud, head on over to soundcloud.com forward slash themixednut and you can subscribe to this podcast right through there. You can send me emails. You can rate the show. Anything you want, I'd love to hear some feedback. Um, our guest today is very awesome. Very excited to have him on the show. So without further ado, let's start it. guys and welcome back to another exciting episode of the mixed nut show i am here with a very special guest you know him as oleg from two broke girls he's a stand-up comedian a brilliant impressionist funny hilarious guy jonathan kite thank you for joining me on the program thank you so much for having i think that's what i want my business card to say everything you just said Including this is the Mixed Nut Show. This is an exciting episode. Well, I'll promote you. Okay. You just promoted me. That's cool. It's it's called Pay It Forward Business Cards. Pay It Forward. And that's our jingle. Hey. Were we rolling on that? N no, we're not rolling. But, you know, using technology now, everything's being recorded. So I'm sure I could just tap into someplace. Just call the government. Yeah, probably have I could it. tap it in and, and get it. So that I, you don't need microphones anymore. That's That's the awesome thing. Yeah, it, people who are going to watch the video version of this, these don't work. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is a prop. That's the thing. Is like I got into uh, you know podcasting to get away from video stuff because it's faster production. Yeah. And now uh, podcasts are all video because everybody wants to see who's talking. It's yes. amazing. Like People are like, who are these voices in my ear? What's going on? Radio's that way, too. When I go on the road and, and have to do, have to, when I get to do promotion for the clubs um they're filming a lot of the radio yeah for like a live feed which is or just so hoping funny. for like a funny bit that'll go viral or whatever yeah yeah i don't know what it is it's because usually you know the morning show is um it's like three or four different people and then maybe there's an sometimes there's even like an audience or somebody yeah and there's just video cameras everywhere but it's like it's strange because i prefer audio like i don't have time to watch while i'm driving 
You know, people, you can only sit down somewhere and watch. If you're at a cafe, if you're at home, lying in bed, that's when you can watch a film or a TV show or a clip. Yeah. But like me, if I'm sitting around in traffic, I listen to podcasts or, you know, interviews, and that's where I get my audio binge, you know? You know what? It's I totally agree with you, actually. I love downloading um, Charlie Rose. Mm. And I like I just like listening to him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen. I mean, there's not much to see besides two. That's what I mean. It's not enough. So to me, to watch those interviews, it's not really all that important. Do you? um, I know we're jumping a little bit, um, but um, when I do impressions, do you watch the people you're mimicking and study the way they move their mouths? I not well. Yes, I yes, I probably do because I have a very specific. My mouth is really tiny, mm-hmm. and so I have to. There's some impressions that I will look to see what they're doing because there's a sound like oh they like uh, we were doing Paul Giamatti before. There's that thing that he does, but he has kind of a you know the way that his mouth is shaped, and so you're right. That's actually how I was able to do it was to watch him and John Adams. Yeah, yeah. And I remember like the the lips. I remember his the, the upper lip and how that was, and that's probably where I grabbed the impression from. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of different ways of doing impressions and that sort of thing. But um, yeah, I, I'm super excited that you're here. Thank you for no, thank you. Me, we we actually met. Spoiler alert! Oh my god, at the Comic Con. Well, that's the best place to meet. You're absolutely right. And talk about spoilers. Spoilers. Listen, spoiler alert. Uh, it's going to get bigger next year, and they're going to sell more crap. Sorry, spoiler alert. Um, that is actually the first. San Diego Comic-Con I've ever been to. Yeah, yeah, because I, I was literally on the floor amongst hundreds of thousands of people, and I was like, Jonathan Kite! Jonathan! I think I, think I just yelled at you. You did, name, you I, did. I, I just ran up to you, and then I was like, I hope he... And all of the people uh, dressed as me <laughs> turned around as well. It's kind of weird. Yeah, it was like a Where's Waldo thing. Yeah, and they're all like, no, 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 I'm not Jonathan Kite. I'm, I'm, I'm Javier Rodriguez, but nice to meet you. I'm like, no, not you. The Jonathan the. Kite. That that's actually some what people had like say. had a play yeah. off of your name. You know those people like who do like funny costumes. The guy was like dressed as a was, kite. He was, yeah, he was like, my name's Jonathan, and he had a kite hanging from his head. And I was like, that's kind of low, you know. I wouldn't make eye contact. I did sign the kite, but I wouldn't make eye contact with yeah, him. Yeah, I that mean, was like, really clear. But you then, did. We just met. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. But we have we have a lot of mutual friends, good friends, and uh, it's it's so funny that for what we both do that our paths had never crossed before. And I was happy that you yelled my yeah, name out. Yeah. I, well, it was just weird. Cause it was like, I wasn't expecting to see you or, I mean, the thing about the San Diego comic-con is I'm sure you learned is like, you go there, you can meet a lot of crazy people amongst all those fans and stuff, but everybody from LA and all the entertainment industry, they usually come down and they party and they're all there. It's awesome. They're just there. So did you have a good time there? I had an amazing time. I, um, I used to go to the comic book conventions in Chicago, where I'm from, because I collected Mad Magazine when I was growing up. Oh, and me I was a, too. Yeah, so I love it. He's pulling out Mad. Oh, For those of you who aren't watching the yes, video. Yes, that's the thing. Is like, I love that you're explaining to people right now what I'm doing physically. I hate when people do something on a radio show program, and they're like, yeah, so this is what I'm doing, and I'm doing this. And they're like, Everyone's like, great. Yeah, so right now I'm opening a book called The Mad Art of Caricature by Tom Richmond. I love this. I sent him, in exchange for a caricature, I sent him a voice um, message as Ian McKellen. So oh. Welcome and thank you for calling Tom Richmond. Leave a message after the beep. If you dare. Something like that. Amazing. And then I love in that. exchange, he made a caricature of me. 
And uh, right now I'm showing um, John the caricature of me. I should actually probably put that online somewhere, but I I still need to get it framed. It's it's just like I've been mattified. And, like, my girlfriend's not a comic geek or whatever, so she's like, whatever. May I? Yeah, yeah, please. Piata's handing me the book now. And uh, No, not with your fucking greasy fingers, you jackass. I'm eating nachos. Fuck, man. And poutine. And silently chewing them. It's quite a skill you got there. This is. I always said I, I, I knew I would have made it. When I was a kid, I really thought, I go, you'll make it if Mort Drucker doesn't uh, caricature yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. That's what I, I mean, this is. Well, you can force him to do it for you. But um, no, Tom, and that was my first thing is I went to the Comic-Con and I hung out with the president of the cartoonist society. And he connected me with all the mad guys. And I was losing my shit. I'm like, fuck voiceover. I'm going to hang out with the guys from Mad. Oh, that's so cool. And, no, but I'm glad that, uh, yeah, you grew up reading Mad. And uh, I mean, I go to the, the conventions and I would collect the old ones and I, I, just liked the comedy that I liked the brand. And, uh, um, so I, I'd been to these conventions a lot as a kid, but I'd never been to the convention. Yeah. And then I went down to talk a little bit about two broke girls and to, were you um, on a panel or no, I just, there was just a bunch of kind of, there was a bunch of media outlets, you know, people are just down there. There's a bunch of writers, just a bunch of people covering, it and I, I did a lot of events when I was down there, which was cool. It'd be kind of funny if they did like a spin off Oleg the comic. Well, that I, you know, it's funny. We thought my <laughs> like original is like, uh, like his sex adventures. And like well, my had other job. That's what I, when I first envisioned the character, you know, for those that don't know, you, you get a script, but it's, um, it's only the pilot for the most part. And sometimes there's a character description, and sometimes it's full, and sometimes it's not, or sometimes it's, it's like a word. And, uh, my, um, opinion of him was that he I'd heard something great about John Belushi mm-hmm. years ago that he lived three different eight hour shifts a day that he never really slept and he would just move on to a different eight hour group of people oh I see what you mean and so I envisioned Oleg like that mm-hmm. and so he, that's why the so, way I dress is the way I dressed for the audition that he was ready to go to a club Mm-hmm. And then after that, he had he had a day job, and then he cooked for the diner at night. And so um, my thing was with him that he would have all these other random jobs that we wouldn't know about, like yeah. that he was a comic, that he drew comics, that he sold stuff. And then every now and then, you know, the writers would actually, without knowing that was my like what I, my you know perceived him as, they would write in these random jobs for him. But that's the that's got to be one of the best things to have for a character because it's endless. The possibilities yeah. of you doing anything is endless. And anytime there's a plot point in the story where they're like, what are we going to do? We got to make the stories measure something to fix our story. They're like, well, Oleg, he did this back then and that'll make it work. And it's totally. fantastic. So was that your choice or was that something you worked with the writer? No, they kind of had this idea in season one when I sold cigarettes to children. <laughs> and... Um, don't you, sell cigarettes. No, 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 no. I'm not advocating it. No, no. It's um, fiction. But I am selling it uh, on Monday nights, CBS. We, but uh, yeah, that was just an idea that they had, and it was really funny because a buddy of mine who uh, doesn't write for the show anymore, but it was something that I had said to him at the time, and I said, oh, that's so crazy that that came up because that was what I'd hoped for him all along. Just a guy who was always working and who had, um, he had, uh, pardon the pun, but fingers in many pies in more ways than one. Well, that's cool. I mean, it, it also makes him uh, mysterious, you know. So then yeah. that way you, you get to explore different 
as- aspects of them and have a history and that sort of thing. And well, I think when I look at shows where I really love the characters, I really it's the it's the mysterious ones. Mm-hmm. Like I loved in Seinfeld, Kramer yeah. was my favorite. Yeah, because it was like he like for I don't think they even entered his apartment for years. Right? Yeah, they it was didn't. Like, what the fuck is going on? Or what does guy? he do? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. not even for a job. Well, I'll did, st- well, we didn't even know his first name, right? That's that was right. So awesome. That was the it's just thing. Kramer. Yeah, forever. What's your first name? And they're like, we got to come up with a joke first name. Cosmo. Cosmo. <laughs> well, I think I, I, I think it was funny because it was not only did you not know what he did for a living, you didn't know what he did in terms of like normal scheduling. Like he was just always doing something different, and I think that that kept it super fun for the audience and enjoyable. That whereas all these people had these straight edge jobs, he was just kind of this X factor yeah. that was thrown into it. So I really, I really appreciated that. Now uh, you actually came today straight from shooting. Now is this the start of the uh, third, fourth, fourth, fourth season? season already? Yeah. Wow, nuts! Wow, and uh, how, how is it back? Because was this the first day or was it? Uh, no, we're in the middle of uh, uh, episode two. Episode two, which is um, how's the energy so now? Far. Is it is it different every season or is it back like family? You know that. I think it's it's different, but I think good different. I think in order for a show to get better, which I, I think we certainly have been over the years, because I think a lot of times that doesn't necessarily happen. I think that's the hope that everybody's like, well, you'll do it long enough, but I think you do it long enough and it gets stale. But I don't think that's the case with this show at yeah, all. Yeah. And I think it was really – I like the structure uh, being back because I had been traveling the whole summer. And so I really looked forward to coming back uh, and being with these people that I really like. And a show that I really believe in and I'm super proud of. and That's like the best thing that could ever happen. Yeah, it's There's cool. Like a lot of people I, I know, sadly, you know, they'll be on a show and they'll have a small part or a character that they don't really agree with or have fun with. And sometimes they're stuck, but they're on a big show, you know. And, yeah. You know, so, or sometimes you watch something like uh, I remember um, a uh, benefactor to my sister because my sister was a dancer and we had uh, uh, someone who would help out like – pay for some art classes and acting classes and she said now i'm paying for your classes and stuff but just promise me that in 20 years i don't see you on some soap opera you know because like that would be like for some people that's terrible rock bottom yeah it's like rock, yeah. but i mean there are people who have careers in that but you're on a really good show and um yeah i mean we don't get to choose which, yeah, I, right. which is so funny because uh do you get to leave what's your contract say we it's funny with standard <laughs> all leg is out well yeah. we cast him well that's what's funny i mean you look at i mean they've done it forever so i hope i hope Oleg is in but i we you know we sign a standard i think it's like seven years or something six and a half years and at that point they get to decide whether they want to you know deal or no deal you and uh but it's it's. I feel very lucky because I think I you know I've been at it for a long time. Yeah, and, yeah. Can we talk a little bit about the process of how you got? Yeah, to that point? I got um because you're originally from Chicago. Yeah, Chicago, Illinois. I uh, been out here eleven years. Jesus, um, and you know that if you cut the ring, you cut my sad yeah, card. Yeah, that's yeah, how many yeah, rings yeah. are here. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean. I had gone in. There was actually a, uh, another show that my friend was casting. Uh, this wonderful, wonderful woman, Julie Ashton, and she. Um, I said, "What else are you working on?" And she goes, "Do you know Michael Patrick King?" I was like, "Yeah, of course." Sex in the City. Uh, oh, uh, that uh, failure of a show. Um, just like you know, so successful and really somebody that I had watched the show in particular because I had heard, you know, how successful and and everybody I'd known 
who had seen it at one point was like, you should watch it. Like, it's good. Like the story's really good and it's really funny. And, mm-hmm. um, I remember watching it and thinking like, wow, this is a great, great show. So I'd kind of been introduced to him through that and really loving his work. And, um, he'd done the comeback with Lisa Kudrow. Yeah, yeah. And, um, so just a success monster. And, um, she's like, I'm doing his new pilot. And I thought, wow, that's really cool. She goes, it's for network. It's a multicam, but there's no parts for like young white guys on it. She goes, right now there's a, an older African-American gentleman, which Garrett Morris plays. And there's a young Asian guy, which Matthew Moy plays. And then she goes, there's a 40, there's a part for a 45 year old bald Russian who's going to be the chef. Mm-hmm. And, um, she goes, but come in, just like meet them. It'd be fun. Whitney Cummings was the other creator of it. Yeah, and yeah. I love Whitney. And, I was just really excited to be in the room with these people who I admired, and um, it was just fun. It's like it's kind of what our lives are, you know. That's what's great about LA. It, at the drop of a dime, the world changes, and yeah. It, it, so you got to be ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And so I went in there, and um, I read for them, and uh, they called me back, and it was kind of weird, you know, good weird for me because I never thought I was going to get a call back. And the guys that I was auditioning against, they were, I mean, significantly older. And I started growing my beard out and I grew my hair out. And then at the at the test, it was like me and another guy and he was much older than I was. And uh, and so it was, it was cool because we weren't really, you know, I think you, people think that actors really compete with each other, which mm-hmm. I'm sure is true. But this just wasn't the case because we're like, we're, they're either going to go with you. Yeah, yeah. So, there, yeah, there's no. Yeah. And there's then they, no yeah, contest when it's obviously physically. Different. Right. And we were very, and he was a incredibly charming man and um john goodman or that's his name uh it was um oh, okay no i was trying to think of who it's funny i was trying to think of his name but it's been like three and a half years i don't remember his name uh i remember that it wasn't john goodman okay that's something good to remember, so we start at least for your bio yeah we start um and i want to thank not john goodman um and he we were cool and and then like you know a week went by and then i was having lunch with an old friend of mine who i actually uh, oddly enough, I thought had passed away. Is that I, old? I uh, he's just no, he's that much of an adventurer. Oh, okay. Uh, he he had a, a, a terrible blood disease, and he had problems with his legs. And so how he went like adventuring? No, I was just kidding. Oh, okay. I meant yeah, yeah. No, and I mean, he, I'm just wondering. He uh, he stabbing himself. Couldn't walk. Yeah, he um he was a guy who drained my blood until I'd faint. Until right, he's a guy who can take them. He's famous for taking those knives to the yeah, gut yeah. and living. And he and I called him and. He never returned the call, and I had called him several times over a six-month period, and I know that he hadn't been doing well. And one day out of the blue, he was like, hey, man, I'm I'm here. Sorry, I was f- taking care of a lot of stuff, and um, very understandable. And so we got lunch, and I was at this bar with him, and um, I got the call. And it was really cool to share that moment with a guy that I really loved and who was a good good friend of mine for many years. And um, a guy who believed me when I first moved out to L.A. So it was. I think he was really happy to be there in that moment, too. So now, originally, it was supposed to be a 45-year-old bald Russian guy. How did it evolve into a younger, kind of snarky I think Ukrainian guy? You kind of, you, you know, and Michael said this, they don't know what they want. Yeah. They want you they to show them something. Yeah, exactly. Well, they write the breakdowns for casting, but for for network. Yeah. I think that's, you know... The network wants to go. So there's a black guy. There's an Asian guy. Well, there's I've a blonde that a girl. A lot of PAs write the breakdown. That like, may be true because they'll get the uh, the casting director will say, "Um, we need a cast for Larry. He's 45." Like, well, what is he? He's like, well, he's a black guy and he's he's really tall and skinny. And they're like, "Oh, oh yeah, well, well, I'll just write that down." 
And then, um, you know, they just get a bunch of people and it's weird. Like I, when I first came out here, one of my first auditions was to do a lookalike for Rob Kardashian. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, what the, who cares? Yeah. I think Stevie TV, they were doing a bit or something. And I just stood in there. And as soon as I got in the lineup, there's all these buff, tan, Jersey Shore guys. I'm like, they look like Rob Kardashian. So I just left. That's so. Well, that's what I can I tell you though. That's when I got there. I was like, wow, these guys are, you know, they really fit the part. And um, you know what? I think that's so. The cool thing about Michael is because you know he really gave me that shot, which I'm in Whitney too, Whitney Cummings, and uh, he goes, I'm tired of seeing the same people on TV. That's what Mm -hmm. he said to me when he called me, and I thought that was really just. I was so thankful that he was willing to take a chance. You know, especially, you know, on, on a few of us who um, I think in films they're willing to take that chance, you know, yeah, yeah. those actors who can really play other things. But a lot of times in a lot of TV, you kind of play to your your yeah, strength, which is maybe your... for a continued series. If you have yeah. a really thing where it's a film, it's like, eh, remember that guy? It wasn't that great. Right. But... So they're putting a lot on you, not knowing, you know, and that's the thing about television, which is so hard. It's like the, you know, one of the hardest gambles. You know, you don't know how fast people can learn lines. I know people who have been very talented who who are terrible at memorizing lines, and we have to memorize chunks of them every week. And so, but you don't know that. An audition takes two months sometimes for, for, for a series. Maybe it took you two months to memorize that. Who knows? And so they, I think they take a lot of risks, and the fact that Michael really did take a risk with a guy like me just was the coolest thing in the world. And uh, um, it was great. And I'm, you know, I'm thankful for it. I try to remind him every day that hopefully he didn't make a mistake. Well, that's a great story, and that's fantastic. I'm so happy that, you know, a guy like you can get on there and actually do that without uh, much plastic surgery. Because uh, I've had I, some a couple scars, but I mean, it's you look natural. Well, I, you, your I'm eyes the guy were completely closed. I think that. I had I wore two patches yeah. in most of my early headshots. So they're both glass eyes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I got real ones. I finally was able to afford real ones. So that, like, ocular surgery? That yeah, it's called the Minority Report. Okay, yeah, I was going to say Tom Cruise is promoting it now. Yeah. I try to get Tom's eyes. You must be in debt. Oof. I have... I'm going to pay for this podcast, right? Um, We'll, we'll talk about Can that. we cut? Can we... How do we... Can we... Um, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, it's weird, you know? It, it's It's a cool thing... To go to work every day, because like you were saying, you know, they're stuck in these roles, you know, people yeah, yeah, leave yeah. no. Then it's, because I think that the dream is that you, you know, when you when you grow up in high school and college doing theater, you're doing famous plays that you kind of aspire to be as maybe not as good. Well, you try to be, but but somewhere in the universe of how great the project is and you're excited to play Hamlet yeah. and all these great Hamlets that have come before you. But when you're creating this new thing... It's scary. Yeah, it's, it is. And you don't know... Um, you might love it in the beginning, and then I know people who have fallen off, and they don't on other shows who are just kind of like, Ugh, yeah. This is just what not. if you chose an accent that you may have done just like out of nervousness, and they said, "That's it, that's the one we want," and then halfway through filming, you're like, "Oh my god, this is not the uh, yeah the voice one." Like I've had a couple of experiences on like indie uh, web animated shows, well, where I would aud- audition and I would send like 
20 voices to him. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, yeah, we go, we love number seven. I'm like, number seven, what was that voice? And they're like, hey, I'm the kind of I'm like, oh, my God, that's a fucking terrible voice. Yeah, yeah. And they chose that one, and then you've got. Oh, to but do that's it. how it works. You know that yeah, yeah, the yeah, one yeah, that, of course, every uh, the, the, the one, one you that, just shat yeah. out. Yeah. What was that last one? You're like the one where I burped into the into the that mic. That was hilarious. We've never heard better. Yeah, but that's the thing, because it was shit. It stood out, and it like to them it wasn't shit. It was something different. But can I tell you what else it is? In the ones that are just kind of mistakes, whatever air quotes around that, um, which is what I did in the studio in case you missed that at home. Piatra's also doing it. Um, that there is also, it, there's a kind of, there's a realness to it. Yeah. Also, you know, you kind of just throwing it away. It didn't, you know. It's I'm not, overworked. Yeah, yeah. I remember I had to do this commercial for, uh, I think, Royal Emirates Air. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you were out here then. This was a long time ago. They wanted you to do 20 voices in like I mean I, I'm telling you it was like it was like a minute maybe it was 30 voices in a minute or something it was crazy how fast you had to do them and once take or yeah well that's the thing I wanted to know how the balls someone was going to go in there and nail this in one take and one of them was this oh no it was 20 voices in a minute is what it was. And I remember some of them were singing and they wanted someone with a huge range that could do Arnold Schwarzenegger and Celine Dion. That's right. You heard it here. And Celine Dion. Well, they should have got Rob Cantor because, oh wait, no. Fake. Fake. But you know, it's, they, it was, I don't know who got it, but I just remember thinking the ones where I just kind of threw it away. And then the ones that I really worked on, like I was trying to do, I think you and McGregor for train spotting at the Mm -hmm. time. Or no, that was the one I just threw away that I that I was like that nailed. But then mm-hmm. the Arnold, which I of course I overthought, sounded terrible. And and it was just I was like, oh, I wish I'd gone with my first take instead of erased it. Yeah, that's the thing is like you know part you know the audition process you you do it and then you're always in your car and like fuck I couldn't do it. But like when you do a recording and you send it in, like I hesitate sometimes. I I record it and listen to it. I'm like that was good. And then right when I send it, I'm like. Let me listen to it again. And I'm like, oh, my God, I just sent that. You know what, though? There's something helpful. I don't know who your voiceover agent is, but I have a voiceover agent that where we go there and mm-hmm. we go into a booth. Yeah, yeah. And no, someone... casting directors. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. That's well, helpful because then they'll say, actually, 40 guys before you just did the same exact voice. You're well, wasting your time. That's Yes, but they also they hire someone to just run the booth. I go into the, the agent's. I go the agent's yeah, yeah, office. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's... I'm telling you, I would rather hear their feedback, and so I can just be in it. And like I s- said before this podcast, I don't. Oh, sorry, I don't wear the cans, and so um, it's just it's better for me to be like, oh, was that? How did that sound? And they're like, let me listen back, and they'll listen if it's a voice match. And they're like, that was the one. Whereas, you know, I, sometimes I'm, I'm I go, oh, that was it. They're like, it wasn't it. Trust us, you needed to be lower. Yeah, yeah, no, that's and it's a definitely a good thing because um, yeah, I would I would find I would book things in person or if i would uh demo in front of people you know i would do a much better job than doing it at home oh you like i I did a thing for disney where always i had a general meeting with them and they're like how come we've never heard of you and they had me run through a bunch of impressions and um then i got booked doing jeff bridges i did a wander over yonder last week my first disney gig i was super excited and they're like, hey, we want you to do Jeff Bridges. 
and it said on the breakdown, a Jeff Bridges type. So the whole week I was working on a Jeff Bridges type, not Jeff Bridges, because you can't do the exact same thing. And I come in, they're like, we want you to do the dude. And then they had me do like a whole bunch of other impressions before I even did it, just because I was there and there. They're like literally writing down my impressions for future episodes. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what the fuck? So people are excited. Like they don't, because when, like we were just talking about, the video podcast, people like to see Who's talking? They like to see what's going on. Well, that's why it works so well in stand-up, I think, yeah. Impressionists. And you've been doing stand-up for two years now? Two years, yeah. When did you start with that? I started, we had this summer off, and it's pretty exclusive, the contract that they you get, you know signed for the show. Because you can't create, can you create content? or you? I can do anything, mm-hmm. but, but over the summer, there's a very limited window, because we shoot eight months out of the year. Mm-hmm. So I had kind of just taken a whirlwind of this great show and that had gone 24 episodes in its first season and I just kind of there weren't any films available for my type specifically that year so I kind of took a little break and you know was was still doing the improv thing and a buddy of mine from another show I went over to the improv and he was like he he knew I do improv he goes what are you doing with those impressions and I said you know, I think I auditioned for something for the voiceover. I thought you were going to say, what are you doing with those impressions? Let me borrow them. Yeah. Are you using those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, uh, and he goes, you should do your, he goes, you're taking money out of your pocket. You should do stand up. Yeah. And so I, um, literally, this was like end of July. I, uh, in a month had written 45 minutes because wow. that's all I did every day. Cause we had, we had time off and I just thought I'm one of those guys, idle hands. Like I, I have to be doing something yeah, at yeah, all yeah. times. And so I just literally went up every single night, two, three times did a night. Did you start off doing impressions, or did you start off just you know talking, telling stories? I mean, I I tell stories. I felt like in improv, so those in the stories change, and I'm sure I was bringing personal experience to those uh, improv shows. So I kind of, um, and I do a lot of press, and I love to talk about two broke girls, but I don't. And I'll talk about myself, but I don't like to get on stage. I think it's a it's a slippery slope when you're doing a successful TV show and you get up there and you're like, ugh, can you believe they were out of this the other day at the club? You know, I you, see what you mean. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, because yeah, I'd heard other people, and because I was coming at it from a position where they were literally selling me as you like him on Two Broke Girls, you you know maybe you'll watch him do stand up. And I didn't want to do the the show is such a very special sacred thing for me. I'm not going to sit up there like every now and then I'll be like, does anybody want to know anything about the show? And I'll because I'll improv whatever I go because <laughs> I'm not going to talk about it right now because a lot of these older women and men will come to the shows thinking that I'm going to do 45 minutes like a behind the scenes. Oh my god! Of two broke girls <laughs> we and came after the from show, Palm Springs, come on, tell us his cat Denning's really funny off camera. That is, you have no idea. That is when I send <laughs> backstage after the show off stage and I take pictures and, and sign and like you know hang out but with I people. mean those, they're, they're paying your bills so it's like you gotta be no I'm I am so no 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 I first of all I feel bad because I feel like that's why I will sit there and answer every yeah, question yeah, yeah. that they have that's good because I'm like oh and and, and I realize now because I've been doing it and I, and I travel a lot doing stand-up a lot of people that come and see me are not coming to see me they know me as an impressionist um, and they don't, and they don't think, but in the beginning it was very, um, I felt like I was not disappointing people, but I just think their expectations had not been met. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, cause the interview, they, they're not a part of it. They're, they're, they're privy to it. Perhaps they've, they're, they're an audience to it, but they're not, they're not really getting the things that they want answered. Like they, they, they thought that it was, um, I came to speak at a university. 
And I'm like, any questions? Right, anybody, right, right. Two Broke Girls 101. Anybody have any questions about the show before we get it? And I just, I, I love that show and I love it for what it is. It's this, it's a, it's a separate thing that I, that I hold dear and I don't get on and I go, oh, you know, the other day when we were on set, I don't, I don't do that. That's my yeah. own thing. Stand up is for me, it's very different. Well, I found um, it interesting. I heard an interview with Seinfeld who said that he specifically asked that his character be named Seinfeld, Jerry Seinfeld, so that on the street people say, Jerry from Seinfeld. That's who he is. Yeah. Do you have that trouble where people come up to you where they only know you as no, they don't know me. Surprised as Oleg or sometimes they know me a lot and sometimes I'll get it all the time. But if I shave my beard or part my hair or do something different, because I I dress my uniform in life is um, a suit and tie. You kind of look like Doctor Who. Yeah, that's it's funny. That's what my Twitter picture is. It's me in front of a TARDIS. Yeah, yeah, and I um. I love, I just always wear suit and ties. Like I, even if I'm like going to run errands, I'm a guy who, you know, the pocket square, the, the, the clip, the whatever I, I just wear. And I just enjoy that for myself. Yeah, and you're so, wearing a three piece suit now and it's like 97. Degrees. I'm, you're not looking, can I correct you for a second? It's a four piece suit. Oh, whoa. That, I didn't see that layer there. It's um, got a bunch of little cats on there. Yeah. Cat yeah. Cat denning heads. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, a huge fan. Uh, it's a Cat Denning head print, uh, separate double vet. <laughs> you're a huge fan of Cat Denning, so every time she comes on set, you're just like, I, 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 I'm like, I, I, can I, you sign this? And she's like, seriously? Didn't I sign something for you yesterday? John, I just... Four years in, she still puts up with me. What a wow. trooper. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, but but nobody, I think when they meet me, they, they're surprised, you know, because I think that I come off very different in life yeah. than I do. So that's, I'm very lucky that I don't have that problem. But you're also, you're still very young. You know, like, like, yeah. I mean, whatever Hollywood standards, whatever. You like, you you're on a show and you're so young. Yeah, you can you can still. This is the launching platform. I'm sure that. I mean, do you have an aspiration? You know, beyond a television show to go into movies. Or I mean, I how think stand up now for you is it something that's fun or is it just something to exercise your brain? I like doing stand up because I like telling jokes and I like, um, I like the pure act of. Of, you know, making people laugh. I just really enjoy that. And I, um, I used to tell my agents, which doesn't apply now in case you're listening to this, but if I got like a really good gig, the show is so nice for me. I was like, I'll do it for free. I'm like, if I can just play this room, I got to open the first show I ever did. I opened for Pablo Francisco and who, and I told this and, and, um, and I, I told this, I told this to Pablo when I met him, um, I drove out here and I listened to his CD. I have it, or in you know, a world I love Jonathan. <laughs> he's amazing and he's super fast, and he's yeah. the nicest guy. And yeah, he yeah. was so generous with his time and his um, his energy with me. And you know, I said to him after I had opened, and he actually like watched my set and came up after me and was like super enthusiastic about it. And I was like. Oh my god! What the f- like is this happening? And we like sat and talked jokes, and he's like, "Yo, take my number, like, let's hang out." And I thought, and I did that show for free. I flew up my my own dime to San Francisco, and I was like, to you know, someone like my agent who we he reps Pablo, he reps me, and uh, he said he's like, "Well, here's an opportunity if you want to do this." And I was like, "Yeah, I'll do it for free." Like I admire Pablo. Um, I've always wanted to meet him, and. Um, Hopefully, you know, I'd love to work but with never him lose that. Like, that's so important, doing things out of passion rather than of monetary Well, value, that's you know? what I'm telling you. Because the money will always come. 
you, abs- you know what? And that's the biggest thing that Two Broke Girls reminds me of every day. That um, I now, when you say what are my aspirations, it's only to do things that I love. Because yeah. I love the show and I love the stand-up that I do. And I'm writing a bunch of screenplays and I've auditioned. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm very lucky. People have sent me scripts that I've said I don't think this is really right for me, you know. Um, I want to do scripts that I... Two broke guys. Come on, man. It'll be funny. You have pitched it a lot. And uh, as Jeff Bridges, it's just... Too... Hey, man, you should definitely do... Yeah, man, I, I'm totally behind this thing. Do you do John Goodman, too? I can't. That's a trifecta I... that I will, like, kill. Can yeah. you do John? No, I was going to say that, I'm that's looking a, that's for the, the guy turkey. who did John and I, so I can suck his soul. And, oh, yeah, I, I need, I've got a list of impressions on a, on a whiteboard. I need to put John... But... John Goodman should be uh, under got... a second helping. My John... Turns into Jeff. When I tr- whenever I try and do John, I, it just always comes out as my Jeff Bridges. But. My my buddy and I do a, a, a stand. We did we've done this in stand up where we've just up. I do Jeff Bridges and he does Bow Bridges and it's called the Bridges <laughs> Caterpillar eyebrows. He has he puts the thickest eyebrows on and he wears like the Hawaiian shirt from the Descendants. Yeah, and we do this you know we do this like bit where it's the Bridges Brothers variety show and it's a time life infomercial where we're. Um, trying to talk like to the audience like we're doing like you know why are you down there with the tapes like I'm looking for our old variety show and I go you know time life has now put it together in one easy collection and it's and it, it, it's funny we're trying to bring that as like a stand up show yeah. the, and it's called the Bridges Brothers variety show and then we have other comics on where we go, you know, like, uh, we have a clip of, like, you know, people don't know it. It was, you know, the first whatever comic on air. Let's go to that clip. And then we bring up the person yeah, yeah, on stage. Yeah. They perform. We come back like we were like, oh, man, it's even it funnier yeah. than I remember it. Call now the number for four, four easy payments of thirty nine I One of my first jobs here was I was doing catering. And uh, I went to a producer's house. And there was people running around. I didn't know anybody. And I'm, like, sautéing some kale and then behind me, I hear like, hey, man, can I get some? I'm like, oh, my God, it's Jeff Bridges. So I turn around, and it's Bo Bridges because they sound very I'm, similar. Yes, yeah. And Bo Bridges was a father to Jeff, you know, like because his, his father was always on set. So he pretty much raised Jeff. Yeah, yeah. So he kind of probably picked up from his brother. But he was just like, hey, can I get some of that? You know, some of that kale. I'm a vegetarian. That's no, there's no butter on that, right? I'm like, oh no, no, no. He's like, okay, cool, man. I was like, yeah, that's awesome. I uh, I've been in I've. I've I haven't hung out with him. I've hung out near him a couple times. We were in a uh, we were at the the Laker game together one time in a in a in a suite, and he was like two. Because every time, and I'm you probably get this, I'm sure. If you've ever been in the room with a celebrity that you do, your buddies always try to get you to do the celebrity <laughs> for them. And the only one that like went that I decided to do it was I did a table read with Vince Vaughn. Yeah, and. Um, he knew it was at his production company at Well Well West, and we. Um, by the way, have you ever met him? No, he's th- so nice, so down to earth, so funny, just so tall, so big. He is. He's like uh, he's like one of Thor's buddies. But he, um, you know, we read this script and it was really fun and just like a great like story. And 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 my friend had told Vince that one of us had done him, and there was a couple of us that got invited to the table read. And as soon as I went to the bathroom, uh, his uh, his buddy Peter Billingsley was like, "Yo, do Vaughn, do Vaughn." And as soon as I was like going to do it, Vince comes around the corner. And he's like, "Ah, uh, yeah, 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 do me, my man, do me. How do I sound? Is that how I'm going to sound on you, my man?" And I went, "Oh my god!" Like, because so sweating, and then you choke up, and then then your impression 
Yeah. Well, I did it, and his he was generous. His face went white as a ghost. And then I was like, no, 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 I, I do other impressions. I don't want you to think I'm vocally stalking you. Yeah, yeah. And I did a couple other impressions for him. Now, is this all in the bathroom? It was, it, well, I only saw him through the glory hole. It might not have been Vince Vaughn, by the way, disclaimer. It might not have been Vince Vaughn. It was through the, through the glory hole. Well, um, what I was filming. Just like Gonzo coming through. We were filming the series, The Impression Guys, and uh, I was doing Jeff Goldblum a lot. And uh, Jeff Goldblum has a uh, show, a jazz show that he does every Wednesday uh, near where we were shooting. And they're like, we got to go there. And you got to do Jeff Jeff Goldblum for Jeff Goldblum. I'm like, no, no, I'm not doing that. And then they're like, wait, here's a better idea. You go into the bathroom of his show and start talking to yourself as Jeff Goldblum so everyone will think Jeff Goldblum's on the toilet. I'm like, that's funnier, but I'm not going to do it. But that, yeah, come on. You know. Well, that, but you get it. I mean, ah, 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 coming out. Ooh. <laughs> that, you know. if if he was in the stall next to you and you asked for toilet paper yeah, as Jeff like, Goldblum. Like, oh, that's one big pile of shit. Oh, man. I do not do a Goldblum. No, he's, he's fairly easy. Is he? I think. Ah. Is there? It's funny. I wonder because I think I get asked that. I'm like, which ones don't you do? Yeah, which ones don't you do? I'm like everybody. Yeah, I'm like There's such a huge list. It's huge, and I think some of them. The reason I do a lot of the ones I do is I had done uh, Jamie Foxx had had a new and living color, and we got we shot twelve episodes. I think six aired, but a lot. But I was the white guy on it, and so a lot of them they would be like, "Do you do this guy?" And I'd be like, "No." They're like, "You do now," because we wrote a sketch for it, which was you know that's how. I imagine most sketch work, you know, the fact that you would come to a sketch show with like a thousand impressions. You with Cooper Barnes, right? I didn't work with Cooper Barnes. Wasn't he on that? They did a second. Oh, they did a second but attempt? But that one never made it to air. Okay, that's... My understanding of it. Yeah. It didn't... We were we were on Fox and then they did an, in Living Color 2.0 with Keenan. That's the one I auditioned for. And that one never made it to air. Yeah. Um, but we, you know, we did, um, we did, it was, you know, we, we did, I think we did like 12 episodes and six of them got, got aired and it was pretty special. You know, I got to do Clinton and, but, but anyway, I didn't do a lot of these. And I think, you know, the ones that you think that you're going to do that they loved you for in the audition, you go, oh, maybe we'll just write sketches for these. And that's never the case. I think I did only like one or two of them that I did in the audition in the show ever. And so it just never, they always came up as other people. Well, I, I was surprised. I didn't get on the show and I was trying to figure out why. And then I talked to my manager and other people who were involved and they said, well, they want it all urban. And I was like, well, how does a white guy do urban impressions? And um, so I know the guy who got on was Josh Duvendek and he, he did a bunch of like singing impressions and, Stuff like that, but I was like, "What a weird angle!" They well, they're not going to. I mean, come on, he's not. Gonna, me that. He's not going to be in blackface. No, 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 he wasn't. But just like urban jokes, I guess. Or do you yeah, do you do Eminem? No, I haven't. I have next. Hey, not but, interested. But I can. I can't. I do Skittles. Cypress Hill. Skittles. Skittles. I think he said Seal. Yeah, Seal. I do Seal. I I, I give myself I was a in, bunch yeah, of yeah, that's exactly right. I just you just glue sandpaper to your face. Um, how is Seal again? He's I'll, fine. I'll, Seal I'll, is great. He's doing fine. Who's, um, cause you have guests on the show. Yeah. Right? Is there anybody that you've been on like, holy shit. 
This guy's here. Mm. She's here. It's here. I don't know. Sometimes there's so They asked me that in a, one, one time we did a Paley Center thing. They're like, who would be your dream guest? And I said, Daniel Day-Lewis to play my mother. <laughs> but I, there hasn't been like... Every, you know what it is? Everybody's been so normal and like cool. Mm-hmm. We haven't had any problems and everybody, you know, we've had some great, I mean, some really, we had Missy Pyle was so funny. Andy Dick was amazing. Andy Dick, he's a good guy. Yeah, so he was, <laughs> you ever done it for him? No, I've never met him. But um... I did it for, I did my impression for him the whole time we were there and yeah. he, uh, he got a hoot. Oh, he, that's he, hilarious. He's got a great sense of humor about himself and about, he's a delightful human being. Yeah, no, I know. Uh, listening to him, like I like to listen to casual interviews with notable personalities. Yes, so that you like realize who they are and that sort of thing. Like you know, when Robin Williams passed away and everybody's like shocked that he was depressed. They're like, I already knew that side of him existed, mm. and it was like horrible to hear. But it was like you know, kind of like much more personal because I was like, I because when you watch a video clip, you know. You know, you watch it alone. It feels like you're the only one watching. Of course, it, you know? yeah. So it's like, oh my god, this is that's my guy. He's there. But no, I'm always fascinated with the uh, the more casual and weird stuff. Like I try and look yeah. for the B-roll footage of yeah. interviews when I do impressions and that sort of thing. Well, so you pick get, something out. Yeah, yeah. Like McConaughey. Yeah, Matt. Yeah, he does got, that whistle. Yeah, he does. And he like um, he did the narration for the Interstellar trailer. And the whole time is just that's all I he could just hear. Whistles. He just whistles ah, like the gopher from Winnie yes, the Pooh. Ah, yes, ah, yeah. <laughs> well, especially in True Blood, because actually I didn't do a. I'm sorry, True Detective, True Blood. He was True. a vampire. Yeah, um, that uh, sucks. He does. Well, spoiler alert. Um, I love him. I, I'm a huge Matthew McConaughey fan, and I. Um, but I never had an impression of him. And then when True Detective uh, came out, I was like, oh man, I should do. A Matthew McConaughey, and that's what I noticed. The first thing was that he, and I was like, oh my God, he's done that forever, but I never noticed it before, that he just has that. But it, it isn't until you just get it, you hear a man just talking. And then I was actually doing his impression on the impression guys, like set not being recorded, and everybody's like, he doesn't have a whistle like that. No way, he doesn't have a whistle like that. I'm like, I hear it. 100%. I fucking hear it. No, I know he does. he does. I know he does. He He's, he's very, he's very, very whistly. Um, but great. I love him. Do you do Woody Harrelson? No. Uh, I should actually write him down. Um, but he's he's. I think he'd be pretty easy to do. He's got a standard light Texan accent. I yeah. haven't watched many of his movies. That might be... <sighs> that guy is so good. Oh, man. He, uh, he actually stopped by set. Can I tell you if that's the one? No, you can't. Yes, you can. What if I never... You just heard the door. Uh, yeah, my car just starts. Oh, that was it. We have Michael Winslow in here. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Don't call me Shirley. Oh, um, different movie. But still love it. Still, love it. I was doing a bit the other day from that, where he's yeah. like handing back the money. He goes, mm-hmm. why do you want to know? And he goes, I don't know. And, they, and he goes, why do you want to know? And he hands him back the bit. Um, but um, to meet Woody Harrelson, he came on set, actually, and I was really... I admire him greatly. You got to watch him, like The Messenger mm-hmm. or uh, Out of the Furnace with him and Bale. Oh yeah, damn, the dude is so good, and he's been around forever. I mean, think about that—he used to be on Cheers. Yeah, and he just is so white man can't jump. He's amazing, but he—he's a guy that you don't—you feel like nobody does an impression of him. But I feel like if you did, if you were did even a halfway decent one, you'd corner the market. Well, I feel like there's some guys, 
excuse me, who are out there that people do impressions of on set. Do you know what I mean? Where like people know him, of but course. he's not publicly of course known well enough. So like it, like behind the scenes, everybody does impressions. Oh, do you know this guy? This producer, he's got this. Funny You're voice totally right. Like my manager Barry Katz, everybody does impressions of him. Because he's got a very distinct like talk. He's, he's on my now my attorney to Jeff Bridges. Is it but, you're um, managed? Is, is it Barry Jeff Katz Bridges? Br- Barry Bridges Katz, man. And uh, no, um, now I can't even get into it. But uh, I don't think I've ever heard him talk. He's got a podcast, so you can hear it. That's my manager. He's got. <laughs> I was going to say. I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty crazy. He's a motivational speaker. Buy his Absol- tapes. Yeah, no, he is absolutely his tapes. By the way, yeah, because uh, <laughs> he invested yeah. in so many tapes. He's like, um, got it. It's going. You know, everybody hipsters are back in the vinyl. I going know. Back to tapes. well, it, can I tell you? They're coming out with CDs. People are releasing CDs. Like, uh, I like the I like uh, Kanye's last CD cover that looked like an old, like it was a mixtape. Well, like that's the thing is like the reasons coming back is because everybody who grew up there now has access to money. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely so right. they want to relive their childhood. And also, uh, audiophiles, like, they they just sound better. Yeah. My cousin was, um, who's in a band, he's kind of successful, he um, was, t- t- we were talking about the difference of CDs and MP3s the other day, and yeah, I mean, CDs just sound better. Yeah. M- MP3s are just so mass-produced through so many filters, you're just not getting, there's not a lot of variance. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Like, I love hearing, like, if you put on headphones, you can hear noise, like white noise. Uh-huh. Before it goes on, and you can hear the studio sound and everything like that. Now it's so fucking crystal well, that's, clear yeah, where it I sounds mean, like it's it's too perfect. There's nothing dirty. And, like, you know, you think about the way that Led Zeppelin used to, re- or a lot of people used to record in houses, and you just think that's, people don't even realize that that's what helped make those albums special. Yeah. And why they're memorable. Whereas a lot of stuff that comes out today, I swear, I've been listening to this song forever and somebody told me who this was and I was like, you're kidding me. I thought it was this. And they're like, oh yeah, I can see. It sounds like this. They, three artists sound exactly the same. Yeah, and when you talk about something you hear, you say, you see. Do you, I see. I see how that is. The English language is fucking do, crazy. Do you do singing impressions? I do like jokey singing impressions. But I do my celebrities who aren't singers doing singing impressions. I've done like some Johnny Cash stuff but he's i feel like he's like the john uh i'm sorry jack nicholson of singing impressions like yeah yeah should yeah be able to do johnny cash that type of thing i tried to learn michael buble for a while because i did this joke on stage where i was like I'm like michael buble i i like him but i don't think he's a very good businessman because he did a christmas album i go all he would have had to have done is throw on dreidel 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 and people would have been like he's the number one holly holiday album of all time yeah and jews would have bought it yeah. Just to hear him sing Dreidel Dreidel. Yeah. And he, he just stuck with the Christian just, crap. Yeah. What an idiot. That's a label, right? Christian crap? Christian Yeah. I like it. That's a, it would sell to the Christian market. To the Christian... Crap yeah. Crap, the, crap, crap. English language is weird. So you traveled recently. Yeah. Did you... Because um, you went to Poland. Which other countries did you go to? I was in Poland. I was in the Netherlands. I was in Denmark. I went to Spain. Do you speak any other language? No, I don't. How was it traveling? I mean, the only place where there was ever... Because I had trouble in Poland. Like, I speak baby Polish, but when I was walking around, people would be happy to speak English, but 
Like when I'd have to deal with yeah. shit, it was really hard. I got lucky because a buddy of mine is Polish and his family was there, and so I flew and met him. Um, the only trouble that I had ever even like remotely... Well, any well, if you're out of the big major metropolitan areas, you're going to have problems. But when I was in Japan um, last year, I went all over Japan, and um, I went up north, and they didn't... There was a lot of places that spoke zero English, um, which was cool for me. I mean, I kind of like going to first world countries with, with the, the feeling of the, of the late 1800s. You know, there's that great scene in Indiana Jones, the last crusade where, you know, Marcus Brody, you know, he, if any luck, he has the grail already. And he's like, in and he goes, does anybody speak English? And he's just in that marketplace, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. I really like that, you know, cause I, I was in Istanbul too this summer and, um, and, uh, in Austria and Hungary and, and even in Istanbul, like everyone spoke English. I wow. mean, it was, I've heard it's very eclectic and like very, like, very almost uh, like it's not a part of Europe, but feel, feels very first world European. The mindset of people there. Where in Istanbul? Istanbul is very uh, Mediterranean. It's very much like Greece. Um, the food, um, the uh, yeah, the people. You know, they. It was great. I had a wonderful time. You know, but but. I think part of it is that I, I stick to the, the major cities, mm-hmm. um, not to eat McDonald's or anything, but just to kind of see what there is to see there. And when I go back, you know, like I was in Krakow and Warsaw this summer, but again, two major cities. Yeah, yeah. But they're still fun. I mean, Krakow, beautiful and that sort of thing. Now, I know we, we don't have much time left, so um, I want to say thanks for stopping by. This is, really this is great. Cool, man. And how could people stay in touch because you've... You're you're all over the place, but you do you perform now that people can come see you, or are you I'm doing, doing drop-ins. Yeah, I do Laugh Factory at least once a week. Um, it, it depends on our shooting schedule, but it, it's usually Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. And then I do um, the Ice House every now and then, which I know is in your neck of the woods. And then, but I, I always post it. I'm on Twitter at at j b k i t e at j b kite. And that's also my Instagram, so I'll post um, information there too. Cool. Yeah. Well, awesome, man. So Thanks. great to finally meet you. Yeah, yeah. This is this is fantastic. Now we got to get you out of that suit and into another suit. Yeah. Into a linen suit. Yeah. I mean, you got to dress to impress. I'm wearing but you worsted also have to dress, wool. Dress smartly. Come on. Come on. I mean, I know you look good, but you're fucking sweating. It's I've gross. been this bowler hat, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to say anything. I look that, like I'm a Greek. I didn't know if I got an apple in front of my I face didn't know here. If something religious, you know. It I, isn't. I'm just. Oh, okay. I'm religiously well dressed. Yes, you are. Well, thanks for coming on, John. Thank you so much for having me, buddy. 